you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail hey, you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And you know what? Speaking of those two amazing sports, along with baseball, soccer, golf, basically anything, any sport that doesn't involve racing or fighting. Think about this. All the sports that we know and love that involve a ball. Well, there hasn't been one invented in about 125 years. How can that possibly be the case? Well, I have some theories, and we'll get to that at the end of this program. But of course, we have to lead with the Tigers. And well, the biggest news on the Mizzou beat has got to be another addition to the Missouri Tigers basketball roster. And this time, it's combo forward Ronnie Gray. And I call him a combo forward because, well, it's hard to completely pigeonhole Mr. DeGray into a position. Now, this guy's about 6'7", 220 pounds, freshman from UMass, where they just played 15 games last year because of lots of COVID starts and stops for that particular program. But playing 27 minutes a game is a fairly decent sample size. And in doing so, DeGray shot 54% from the field, including 37% behind the three-point line. So certainly those numbers alone are, are pretty promising. It should be noted, of course, because of this past COVID basketball season that DeGray will still have four years of eligibility to play for Conzo Martin and the Tigers. Now, when it comes to video, there's not a lot of highlights for DeGray out there. The minute-long clip that I was able to unearth on Twitter showed a guy who certainly is a multifaceted offensive player. He's willing to go in the post, step out at the three-point line, cut off the ball, A bit of an odd shot, I'll say that. A very awkward-looking shot. But again, if you can make 54% of your baskets, including nearly 40 from three, well, the Tigers will take that all day. A 61% free-throw shooter. So maybe that speaks to more of the awkward motion there. If you truly have your shot on point, you're going to be more in the 80s as opposed to 61%. So, you know, in just 15 games there, let's not expect DeGray to be a 37% three-point shooter maybe he will get there but I don't know that foul shooting I'd like to see that be more representative of a guy who can step out and knock down shots we'll see what happens with DeGray now when it comes to Missouri football not a lot happening in the recruiting realm right now this may in fact be a dead period literally speaking but certainly figuratively it's a very dead news period so but when it comes to the future not just among players but hey How about scheduling? Well, there is some news when it comes to scheduling. We all know that because of this past season, Missouri played an SEC-only schedule. Well, that means that the previous game that was scheduled to be played in Provo, Utah against BYU, hey, we all saw Zach Wilson go number two overall in the draft, so maybe this was a lucky break for the Tigers. We'll see, but shockingly, that game will now be played in 2034. So there's going to be a 20-year gap between the game in Missouri, the game in Arrowhead in 2015, the semi-famous 
Missouri comeback, the protest game. Well, I was 30, let's see, I would have been 32 years old when that game would have been played. Well, I will be 52 if I decide to head down to Provo and watch that game. My goodness. Well, I guess you got to do what you got to do when it comes to COVID-19. But another team that was knocked off the schedule last year, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, well, they're going to come to Furrow Field quite a bit sooner than that in the year 2025. But to accommodate that, the Tigers will now move their game that was scheduled to be played for that year at Boulder against the Buffaloes of Colorado, of course. Well, that's going to be now six years later in 2031. And it certainly seems the construction and superficial improvements to Faroe Field lately are just never-ending. Obviously, the new indoor practice facility is is going up, is being constructed as we speak, but also new turf being installed at Faro Field this offseason. Just saw some shots of crews taking up the old turf. Certainly seemed like that was about about time for that to happen. I know we had noted on this show that the old turf was starting to look a little bit worn and frankly light on television. So who knows, maybe the new turf hopefully will pop a little bit better during those early 11 a.m. kickoffs. And, you know, there was a moment, of course, for the Tiger football program where it seemed like they were a tight end factory. You had Martin Rucker, Chase Kaufman, then later Michael Agnew. Obviously, those guys weren't necessarily your prototypical tight ends. But, man, Missouri the last few years has really struggled to get production in the passing game from that position. I think that's really hurt their offense in a lot of ways. And I do want to talk more about the tight end position coming up. But first, did you know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? Well, this chicanery never takes place at rockauto.com because their prices are the same for everybody, even the Joe Blows like you and me. And best of all, you can get these low prices on any type of make or model you could possibly imagine. And guess what? In the year 2021, there are a heck of a lot of them. So rockauto.com helps you narrow it all down, figure it all out without having to bother the grumpy guy at the front counter at the auto parts store. No, you can just do it yourself at their easy-to-navigate website, and you don't even have to sign up for a new account. Yes, aren't we all tired of remembering passwords? Well, forget about all that nonsense at rockauto.com. So again, go there now. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your vehicle. And write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I'm now realizing after my tight end tease there for this segment that I didn't mention Albert O. And I'm sure some of you are saying, hey, what about Okuebunam, Okuobanam, however you pronounce his name. We'll, we'll stick with Albert O for now for this segment. But for real, with Albert, you know, I ran a little hot and cold with him as a fan for sure, just analyzing his strengths and weaknesses as a player. But there's no denying that when Albert was productive, when he was right, well, the Missouri offense, especially under Drew Locke, was much, much better. 
And then in the 2019 campaign, when for whatever reason, Albert O was not a productive player or nearly as much so as he had been, well, the Missouri offense fell off a cliff. I don't think that's a coincidence. I'm not saying it's entirely because of him, of course, but it's also certainly one of the many reasons why that team struggled. I also don't think it's completely a coincidence by any stretch of the imagination that Chase Kaufman and Martin Rucker were part of that 2007, one of the great offenses in Mizzou history, if not number one. And by the way, 08, where Rucker had graduated, but Chase Kaufman stuck around. Obviously a disappointing season in a lot of ways, but that offense just about as good. So you've got that, then you've got 2010, Michael Agnew caught a bajillion passes for that really good team. I just think having that big tight end, or even big slot receiver, if you want to call him that, is such an advantage because not only are they excellent pass receivers, but if you attempt to line up a safety or a corner on those guys, well, they're going to maul them in the running game too. So you're kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't at that position. Now I'm on record as saying that Ryan Horstcamp, Missouri's incoming freshman tight end from Washington, Missouri, I think he's going to be a good one. I really do. Just based on studying his film, hearing about him as a young man, his quotes, just everything. He just seems to to understand the position, the game of football. He just he really profiles nicely to me. And apparently Nick Saban and his staff agreed as they extended a scholarship offer to him. But Missouri is certainly not the only place that has struggled to find tight end production in the passing game the last few years, even at the NFL level. If you're a fantasy football player, you're probably well aware that after Travis Kelsey, after George Kittle, after even Darren Waller for the Oakland, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, boy, the the production there at the passing in the passing game really falls off pretty dramatically. So all of us are very happy who play fantasy football to welcome Kyle Pitts into the fold, a guy who I've thought was going to be an obvious star from the very beginning. And there is sort of this old school mentality, though, that, oh, taking a tight end fourth overall is a really, really high price to pay. And quite honestly, I I just don't agree with that logic, at least in the case of Pitts, because I really think he's that special of a player. But I will say maybe this old school mentality is on to something a little bit because, boy, the the stud tight end in the draft, that is just a rare, rare, rare animal. And in fact, when was the last guy before Pitts who was taken in the top five, top ten, he just thought, this guy's an animal and he's going to dominate the NFL. I remember Vernon Davis from about 15 years ago. He was just this guy from University of Maryland, could run like an absolute deer, was built like you know the Terminator, just all the measurables you could possibly imagine. Well, Vernon Davis had a nice career. He really did. I believe he was taken by the 49ers back in the day. But he just never ended up being a superstar. And again, hey, let's go back to Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, those guys I just brought up. Well, where were they drafted? Well, Travis Kelsey was taken in the third round by the Chiefs in 2013, which is actually pretty high considering Kelsey was a converted quarterback at the University of Cincinnati. He was kicked off the team for a bit, 
a marijuana type deal, I believe. Well, they let him back on the team to go play tight end. So that was kind of bizarre, right? A converted college quarterback. There's where one of the best tight ends in history comes from. Well, how about George Kittle? Where was he taken? Well, he was a fifth round draft pick. Now, listen, I know the quarterbacks in the first round bust maybe half the time. That's been discussed a lot. But still, most of your franchise stud quarterbacks, they're exceptions like Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, of course. But most of these guys are first round picks. Think about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, all first rounders. Even a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who we thought, eh, maybe he's a bust for a while. He was a former first-round pick. But man, with these tight ends, again, it just seems like a total crapshoot. I brought up Darren Waller of the Raiders. He's a sixth-round pick. Even Rob Gronkowski fell to the 42nd overall pick early in the second round of 2010 because of concerns about his back, injury concerns with him, even though most people knew that he was a heck of an athlete. That wasn't, that wasn't a huge shock to anybody, I don't think. And heck, even going back 10, 15 years or so, you think about Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates. Well, both of those guys were college basketball players. Now, a lot of talk has been made lately about how hard it is to evaluate quarterbacks and how we're not getting any better at it. Well, that certainly seems to be the case with tight ends as well. And maybe with Kyle Pitts, he might be the exception, but... I think he will be, but man, it is unbelievable how bad we are at discovering these stud tight ends. And really, the lesson is, if you ever get one, you better hold on to them for dear life. They're sort of your Swiss Army knife players that can just cause nightmare matchup problems for any defensive coordinator. And again, where do you find them? They just aren't available. So when you get one, hold on to it with dear life. And I am going to give you my ball sports theory. Oh yes, this is going to be good stuff, folks. We're going to tie in history, the industrial revolution. It's all going to be incredible. How about a how about that for a tease? But first I have to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Plus hockey, MMA, even entertainment stuff, which is cool. You know, I like that at, at Bet Online you can get in on just about any kind of action you can possibly imagine. But I have to admit, they might have gone too far this time. Under their celebrity specials section, you can bet on who will Bill Gates date next. And it's 66 to 1, for instance. You can bet on AOC, Hillary Clinton, Meghan Markle, Mina Kimes. Oh, man, what a foursome that would be. But seriously, there are actual sports that you can bet on at betonline.ag as well. And when you do, you got to use the promo code LOCKED ON for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKED ON at betonline, your online sportsbook experts. So the other day, I was thinking about why is it that all of the popular ball sports in the world, almost without exception, were created in the 1800s. Well, I will say there is one slight exception to that. Golf 
was being played in some form in Scotland in the 1400s, according to sports historians. But really, the 18-hole game that we all know and love today on a course, that didn't really start until 1764 at the old course at St. Andrews. So what's interesting to me to note about that particular date is that is four years after most historians say that the first industrial revolution began in Great Britain. Now, until the first industrial revolution brought things like steel and iron production, the internal combustion engine, steam power, early forms of electricity. Well, before all of this stuff started gaining a foothold, 99.9% of human beings basically were subsistence farmers that woke up every day simply trying to survive. But obviously, once this new wealth had started spreading and human beings started figuring out much more efficient ways to not only grow and cultivate food, but do a number of other different things, build a, a number of different other types of machines as well. Well, this provided them an, an amount of free time that previous generations of human beings couldn't have possibly imagined. So what did they do? Well, like in Scotland, they picked up sticks and started hitting balls. Because apparently there's some deep-seated part of our human nature that even if we aren't actually out hunting or physically toiling in the farm all day, there is some need to get outside and sweat and be competitive with other people. So again, while the origins of golf, the true golf sport that we know today, was back in 1764, it was in the 1800s where all of the ball sports really took off and eventually gained an incredible foothold in the 20th century. Of course, we Americans know that baseball started in the 1800s. James Naismith invented basketball in 1891. The first American college football game was played in 1869 between Rutgers and Princeton. And then in Britain, of course, they invented their games too. You had rugby in the 1800s, cricket in the 1800s. Even tennis and ping pong towards the end of the 19th century were invented in Britain. And as far as I can tell, the last popular sport that endures to this day that was invented that involves a ball was actually volleyball in 1895. So on one hand, to me, it's very obvious why all of these sports emerged during that about 100-year period. It's because, once again, human beings finally had some free time. We had some time to mess around and not worry about just pure survival every hour of the day. But what's more interesting to me, and less easy to explain, is why is it that there hasn't been another ball-related sport that has really taken a foothold anywhere in the world in that period of time? Now, there may be some exceptions to that, but I really attempted to branch out, again, figure out, okay, when was soccer invented, cricket, rugby? Because, yes, those sports are not particularly popular in America, cricket in particular. They're wildly popular in places like India, Jamaica, other places that, frankly, the British conquered back in the day. So I wanted to include all of those sports, but they were all, they all emerged during the same period. So why nothing else, though? 
Well, that actually explains a different part of human nature. And I guess that's, we like traditions. And boy, when traditions, once they start to take a foothold, it's really hard to knock them out. For instance, take one of the biggest, maybe the biggest tradition in our entire country, and that's Christmas. Even people who grew up as Christians and then eventually became atheists, well, they still tend to celebrate Christmas because, again, it's tradition, we like traditions, and we don't like getting rid of them. Think about when Kwanzaa started coming around as a popular idea 30 years ago or so. Sure, some people converted to Kwanzaa, but most people I know that were in that demographic, well, they stuck with Christmas. I know that. And really my point is, for a decade now, we've been hearing about, much less so by in the last couple, three years, by the way, but it seemed like 10 years ago there was this huge push of an idea that, oh, football is dying, American football's dying, there aren't going to be enough kids who want to play it, yada, yada, yada. Well, 10 years later, it sure seems to me like football is still in a pretty strong position. Certainly in terms of the American consumer, have they gotten bored with football yet? I don't think so. Have there been ebbs and flows and ups and downs because of various blah, blah, blah? Of course there have. There's always going to be ups and downs. The chart never is straight up in any portion of life. But these people who keep trying to act like, oh, pro football's on the way out, college football's on the way out, and then the other people, because the World Series ratings go down every year, who act like, oh, well, baseball, it's dying, it's dying, it's dying. It may not be the national pastime anymore, but the idea that this these generations and generations of St. Louis Cardinals fans are going to just disappear in the next 20 years is completely, completely insane. Now, baseball may be much more regional as we go forward here, but there are new Cardinals fans being born every single day. I promise you that. And for as much as we complain about the current state of college basketball at times, the NCAA tournament is such a tentpole event that that sport is always going to be viable in our lifetimes as well. I have to imagine. Again, it's been 125 years since somebody's come up with a new sport with a ball that people actually like. So until a new wildly popular ball sport actually emerges in this world, well, I would be very careful to dismiss any of these sports that have endured for over a century and saying, well, I guess their time has come because that would be like saying just because the amount of, say, religion in the world has gone down, well, just because that's the case, that doesn't mean people are going to stop celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or Ramadan or any of that stuff. Let's just learn a little bit more about human nature and that will help us predict the future. And with all that being said, thanks once again for putting up with my off-season tangents. I hope you found it interesting because sometimes I run out of Mizzou topics to talk about. I got to be honest. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.